0: If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Today on the Indo Daily, January 6, 2021, the world stood by in shock and horror. Yeah, just for awareness, be advised, there's probably about 300 uh, Proud Boys. They're marching eastbound in this is, uh, 400 block of um, kind of independence, actually on the mall, towards the United States Capitol. I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. The we just had to circle breach the line. We need backup. Because you'll never, we'll never take back our country back. with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Five to 50 be by the Capitol Police 1 advisor trying to breach and get to the Capitol. Mike Pence, I hope you're going to stand up for the good of our Constitution and for the good of our
2: country.
0: We have a breach of the Capitol, breach of the Capitol, to the upper level.
2: USA! 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 We host the
1: line. We host the line. I am back. They were peaceful people. These were great people. The crowd was unbelievable. And I mentioned the word love, the love. Love in the air. I've never seen anything like it. Now the House of Congress investigation into the events of that day has begun its hearings. Even senior Trump officials are now saying the election was not stolen.
2: I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told
1: the president was bullshit. Surprisingly, some of the Trump family are also accepting the election results.
2: Many of President Trump's White House staff also recognized that the evidence did not support the claims President Trump was making. This is the president's daughter commenting on Bill Barr's statement that the department found no fraud sufficient to overturn the election.
1: How did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement?
2: It affected my perspective, Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, So I accepted what he said was
1: saying. But will this lead to a criminal prosecution of Donald Trump? I'm Fiona Sheen and joining me today on the Indo-Daily is Gina London, columnist with the Sunday Independent, founder of Language of Leadership, and former White House correspondent for CNN. Gina, who are the January 6th Committee? Uh, what's the purpose of this exercise?
0: It's helpful to get some background, isn't it, while we're talking about the, the prime time, the public hearings now, to be reminded that this committee was set up some 17 months ago. There's nine members, seven Democrats and two notable Republicans. So it does have bipartisan representation, which is important when you think about what they've been tasked to do. Is to examine not only what happened in that deadly riot at the Capitol on January 6, but the months that led up to it. And so, what they've been doing is compiling witness testimony, getting lots of texts, lots of memos. And at this point, from all that we understand, they have 1,000 or more testimony. They have hundreds and thousands of texts and documents that they're going through, and it's now the culmination of that, that they are bringing to the public in a very purposeful, narrative-driven way to show the American people how close the United States came to falling apart. This evidence that they're trying to show, as they said very clearly at the opening primetime hearing, that it demonstrates that The country was at a constitutional crisis moment, that the democracy of over 200 years of the United States was almost overturned, and that it was begun through the texts or the tweets and the comments by Donald Trump on that same day of January 6th that led to those people to go there. And the videos have shown and continue to show in this public hearing that we are talking about today how much of a potential Criminal conspiracy, there was. Is there enough evidence? And did Donald Trump and the people with him in the top levels try to defraud the United States and overturn a free election? And that's what the Select Committee is all about.
1: So we had that big Perry Mason moment, I suppose, from the from the committee where they they, they set out their their stall uh, with this quite dramatic uh, opening statement where they were teasing out what what they're they're trying to to prove. What evidence are they going to bring forward and and who will we be hearing from during the, the course
0: of these hearings? The most striking testimony came from the ranking Republican on this committee and that's Liz Cheney.
2: You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote... Maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it.
0: And it's important to remember that she was the number three ranking Republican at the time of the January 6th storming of the Capitol until she was ripped out of her role by other Republicans when she refused to change her tune after that insurrection attempt. So many Republicans initially said this is awful they're on record saying that this is that that that, that this needs to be examined and then they've turned she however never did and she's lost a lot of influence within the republican party that's that's still very defend that defends donald trump to this day and yet she laid out a very strong case against the president she was not holding back and mincing words when she laid out the evidence that they'll be showing through clips of recorded testimonies many that hadn't been heard yet to the first hearing that we're talking about and that they're going to continue because there are we've had one so far There are going to be six in total of these public hearings and interestingly don't forget the investigation continues on so this is not the end this is still the first this is the big first public hearing of it And it's important, I think, to note, too, that they've decided not to just run this on C-SPAN or some of the lesser shown channels that you might be getting your congressional hearings on, that they've chosen to coordinate this for the time where people are wanting to see things in a different way than they might have in the olden days when they would watch Like, for example, we're on the 50th anniversary of the Watergate hearings coming up, and you imagine how people used to watch hours and hours of somewhat staid testimony, but they've brought this together. They've hired an ABC producer, former ABC producer, to make it more digestible and interesting from the way that people like to receive media these days. And I think that's actually an important distinction, which hopefully maybe will Change some Americans' mindset that have been getting information drips and drabs, and now they're getting it in this collective way. And she is attempting, along with the other members of the select committee, to demonstrate seven main areas of how President Trump, and important to also take a look at John Eastman, that attorney that was the orchestrator, according to the select committee, of the memos that said, here's how, We can actually find a legal way for Mike Pence, the vice president, to overturn the electors, overturn the free election. And that we just had a couple of weeks ago, a federal judge, or maybe a few days ago, rather, since we're recording this, a federal judge in California has determined that Eastman does need to turn over some of those memos that he'd been trying to withhold claiming attorney client privilege. So there's still a lot more to come as these public hearings are going out. As an aside
1: explain why Liz Cheney's surname would be familiar to you oh, here yeah. In okay, Ireland. well
0: so those of you who might be familiar with this this last name of course her dad is the former vice president under under uh, George W Bush Dick Cheney and he very conservative. She very conservative, still very conservative, and yet refuses to toe the line of the big lie that the election was fraud, There, that their 2020 election was based on all sorts of other things. And what they're showing the select committee is that Donald Trump's inner circle knew that his claims of fraud were baseless.
1: And we've got teasers of, of testimony to, to come from from key individuals, taking a few of them, Bill Barr, Trump's attorney general. So, what what did he have to say about the the narrative?
0: Well, that's the thing that was striking. Again, as I mentioned, he was for much of his time, his tenure with President Trump, he was considered a bit of a lackey by critics. That he was doing a lot of things that were. That were questionable in terms of the role of what should be a separate role. The Attorney General, the head of the Department of Justice is supposed to be acting independently of the of the Executive Office, and there were many times when Bell Barr would come in and, and do the bid of Donald Trump in ways that, that was not considered the same kind of separation. And yet, finally, after the election results were coming in, and Donald Trump was saying that this has been fraud, and this, there's been stealing of the election, this is where the snippet that was played, where as I as I mentioned, William Barr, the Attorney General, former trusted advisor, I guess in some ways, of appointed by Trump or for Trump, says no. This was bullshit. I told him that this was was bullshit. And that was his word. That's why I'm using it.
2: No, just what I've been through. I had three
1: discussions with the president that I can recall. One was on November 23rd, one was on December 1st, and one was on December 14th. And I've been through sort of the give and take of those discussions. And in that context, I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which
0: I told the president was bullshit. And then you saw as, as the aftermath or a couple hours or whatever after the public hearing took place, Donald Trump, because he's not on Twitter anymore, took to his platform Truth and put out, I think, 14 different tweets, one of them saying that disparaging his former colleague or friend or what have you. Bill Barr and said, in parentheses, he said, oh, he sucked. So that's the type of leadership that you get from Donald Trump. And it also then was in conjunction with his own daughter, Ivanka Trump, was also played a snippet of her testimony recording by the public hearing, the select committee, where she said, she was asked, what did you make of Bill Barr's determination that there was no fraud? And she says right there on the recording...
2: Many of President Trump's White House staff also recognized that the evidence did not support the claims President Trump was making. This is the president's daughter commenting on Bill Barr's statement that the department found no fraud sufficient to overturn the election. How did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement? It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, So I accepted what he said, was
0: saying. And so then another one of those truthers, truths, whatever you call those things that that Trump puts out on the non-Twitter platform, he said that his own daughter, he almost threw under the bus when he said, well, she was checked out. She wasn't paying attention to the, to the aftermath of the election at this point. And even there, you see, he is perpetuating this Big lie, regardless of the evidence that's coming out. And so for me, as I watch this public hearing and I'm getting ready to watch the others, I'm struck by I don't think that this committee is actually trying to change the minds of as many of the MAGA Trump flag-waving Americans as they are to publicly put out a point-by-point factual, chronological event, because there's about a lot of things coming out in different pieces, but to start months from November the election to January 6th, what were all those different tentacles that were coming together to result in that overthrow attempt at the Capitol? And again, not to simply dissuade public opinion or change public opinion, but to referral Refer criminal charges to the Department of Justice today under Attorney General Merrick Garland, and that's where you might see, and again, I know we're under a time clock and government moves slowly, but you might see an actual indictment of a former sitting president because no president or a former president should be above the law in something that's this dramatic and this much of a constitutional crisis is what we saw.
1: So you're not just seeing this as a a, a primetime TV effort to sway the the court of public opinion. You believe that this is in effect a legal forum which will result in another legal forum being convened.
0: I kept asking myself as I was watching this thing as a former White House correspondent who would covered Capitol Hill and I covered the 2020 election which was disputed with Nobody questioned that there was a dispute on that one, but that what was interesting is when that the hanging chads and all that kind of stuff in between Al Gore and, and George W. Bush ultimately was decided, you had someone conceding. Al Gore did concede. And yet here we have, two years out, we still have a former president not conceding after dozens of his own appointed judges said, We've got no you've got no case. Every case that was brought before any Judge was said, no, there's no fraud, there's no tampering, there's no substantial anything. And yet there was this effort, and that's what this committee is showing. What I found interesting is I was watching it because I was thinking the same thing. Who cares? Why are we showing all of this? It's not going to change people's minds. People are decided on how they feel. You, Fox didn't even decide to show it when you had CBS and ABC and NBC and PBS and, and CNN, my former former place. Everybody else was showing it, but not Fox. So you know those folks, they didn't even do commercials Vietnam, for two hours. So people wouldn't switch and potentially know what was going on from the select committee. But what I find very interesting is that the DOJ has indicted 800 people so far. they investigations and their charges from the January 6th insurrection are still ongoing and what I've read is that they're working from the bottom up so they are it's not done yet but interestingly just a couple weeks ago the DOJ actually it was reported in May that they'd asked in April so it's still relatively new but the DOJ Department of Justice apparently did ask to get a transfer of all those documents and the testimony and all the things we've been talking about here's what's interesting DOJ asked Benny Thompson, the head of the Select Committee, said, "No, we're not going to transfer it yet. It's our property." Was the quote that I read, and I thought, "Oh, come on! Cooperation is what is needed if you want to actually have some results in the timing of this, because timing's so critical. If Donald Trump does announce that he's going to officially become a candidate for 2024, which all indicators so far are that he will, if." The DOJ hasn't done anything directly to him or indicted him or pressed charges or announcers an investigation prior to that, then for sure they're going to be in trouble from the court of public opinion that it's now really political. And then Donald Trump's line of witch hunt will be that much more to propel him. So they've got to get on this if they're going to do it. So why not cooperate? Is it because the select committee wants to have their day in prime time? That if that's the reason, that's frustrating.
1: Jurisdictional jurisdictional rows—nothing new for anybody who watches uh, cop shows, anyway. <laughs> so, probably the most devastating piece of testimony for ordinary Americans was was looking at a a police officer, Caroline Edwards, mm. describing her experience on that day.
2: I I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground. They were bleeding. They were throwing up. They were, you know, they had, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. I was catching people as they fell. It was carnage. It was chaos.
0: As a woman describing another woman, she's a youngish woman. She's not a big presence physicality-wise. She also talked and shared about how her father, her grandfather, had served as a veteran and that she felt so much a part of him and her commitment to withholding American democracy. And then she's talked about from the heart, there she was standing there facing other Americans. And she, I thought, very strikingly told how she had been trained for maybe a protest, maybe a demonstration, or maybe our arrest as a, as a police officer, but she was never trained, in her words, for combat, for wartime combat like her grandfather had endured in Korea, she described. And then she said, there I was for hours facing other Americans. And she described how she was slipping in blood. And you just think, this is a— and she said it actually quite dispassionate. She, she was very matter-of-fact as she described it. And I think there was— a lot in that, that she wasn't trying to become over-emotional, but yet the situation of her—and, of course, you know, five people died in that, and others have been connected to—other deaths have been connected to it in various ways. But this was not, as some Republicans have tried to soften the impact, this was not a peaceful protest. This was not a, a tourist. <laughs> this was a deadly, violent— insurrection attempt it was really gripping to watch i watched every bit of her testimony there do you see these
1: committee hearings in any way marking a turning point for opinion about donald trump and that he becomes more more isolated as a result of them no <laughs>
0: You don't. Why do I, p- I don't because—well, no, okay, there, here's an interesting point that, that came from it that I think we haven't heard from, and there was some discussion around this on Sunday. And that was that there was the reference by Liz Cheney of the number of Republican congresspeople who had gone to President Trump in those waning days of his presidency after the election and asked for pardons. And she mentioned Rep- Rep- Representative Scott. He denied it out on the talk shows over Sunday. But the question remains, why are you asking for a pardon if you don't feel like you did something illegal or something that's going to get you in trouble? And they haven't all been named, but yet Adam Schiff, as I mentioned, who was also on those the talk social, talk show circuit on Sunday, he said, Those names are going to come out. More is to be found. So look forward to the more information being presented as they continue to present their case. I could be wrong, and I hope I am in my cynicism that people might be swayed by what comes out. I certainly am impressed that Fox News went ahead and put on former AG Barr. I am. I'm surprised by that. So who knows? I mean, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Brian Kilmeade, all of these Fox news heads, these figures who have since softened their their reactions, they initially, they were, they, they're on record as texting the former chief of staff of Donald Trump, please get the president to do something, get the president to do something. And the part of the public hearings on Thursday that we're discussing also showed that not only did Donald Trump not do anything for hours— while this insurrection, when this violent protest was happening. But he also didn't. Another lie. If we could—how many lies, as this guy said? I mean, seriously, lies. Not falsehoods or, oh, misrepresentations or jokes. He lied and said he called in the National Guard and that he had been finally taken in action to bring in backup. No. His former Joint Chiefs of Staff was on testimony, one of the recorded bits that they played at the public hearing, saying no. There was nothing from the president. All of those requests for backup for the National Guard, that came from Vice President Mike Pence, who, of course, was there and knew that his life and the lives of the other representatives who were trying to certify this election on January 6th were in danger. And what I really loved is that that the, the general, when he was in his testimony, he said that Vice President Mike Pence was, in his words, very animated, very animated. Now, it's got to take a lot to get Vice President Mike Pence animated. So that just goes to show you what a situation it was that
1: day. Doing a bit of sporting punditry now. Mm. Looking ahead to the 2024 presidential election campaign, is Donald Trump going to be a candidate? Ugh, Calling wow. that now, given what is emerging at the moment?
0: Well, if he yeah, I mean I think he will. I think that I think there's nothing that stops this ego. As we've seen, I think if he's indicted, he won't be. If he's a former president under investigation, I don't know what the legalities. I'm not. A, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what the, the legalities of that. Can someone run while they are under investigation, potentially indicted, but yet not convicted? I suppose you could. And boy, would he be able to be using that? I mean, he'll. He. He. There is such precedent of his behavior and his style of rhetoric. And, of course, I make my living now talking about language of leadership and and how people sway with their words. He's a master at the oversimplified soundbite that evokes emotions. And on the other hand, you've got a lot of Democrats and, of course, the two Republicans on the select committee committee, who now are beginning to fashion things in more of a soundbite-to-soundbite style of way to maybe offset his soundbites, Trump's soundbites. So maybe they will be able to sway some opinion. Maybe he won't run because he's going to get marginalized. But it's going to take a lot. It's going to take, I think, his upper echelon to actually feel a threat of law, legal proceedings, that this criminal conspiracy doesn't just begin and end with Trump and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and the 800 people that are, that are kind of the lesser people that are getting indicted. Will this committee, will the Department of Justice actually have teeth enough to get some of the more influential people held accountable for their roles. If that starts to happen little by little, then I think you can have a domino effect that would isolate Trump. Otherwise, no, I don't think so. You'll see the opposite, which has happened, which is the Republicans have galvanized around Trump. And those that have been isolated are the few that remain saying that what he did was wrong, like which like Bill Barr now and like Liz Cheney and like Adam Kinzinger and even to a degree Mike Pence when he said that the president was wrong what he, in, how he, in how he was, but he didn't say it was illegal. So, that's where we have again that big distinction. Will Trump run in 2024? Sure, unless he's somehow completely kept out of it, I think his ego wouldn't allow him otherwise.
1: My thanks to Gina in London. I'm Fiona Sheehan and today's episode was researched and produced by Gareth Mulhall and sound designed by John Smith. Archive clips from CNN, NBC, ABC, MSNBC and Fox News. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.